we're here this morning, gathered together in the presence of God, God himself, in the presence of God's people. And we're going to learn the Word. We're going to dig into the Word and just see what new thing God has for us. We, we hope and pray that God will inspire us with something new. He'll enlighten us with something new, open our hearts and minds and ears to receive whatever it is. Amen. So ask Brother Sean, do you pray over this morning's lessons? Lord, we thank you. We come into your courts this morning with thanksgiving and praise and a heart of worship. Lord, we ask that you open our hearts, our minds, our souls to whatever it is you want to hit us with today, Father. We are, we're asking for your move in this service in every one of these classes. Holy Spirit, be loosened and lead and guide and direct every individual of this church so that we can fill your, your perfect will, Father. We thank you, we worship you, and we praise you this morning. And we give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Good morning, good people of Rock Harbor. Good to see all of you this morning. Page 51 in our study guides. Talking about an empowered people. Central Truth says that God calls and empowers Christians to overcome. Do you agree with that? Amen. So, you know, it's um, it's always a, especially in the in the Pentecostal walk. If you're in the Pentecostal belief system, um, everybody. Well, let me say it like this: denominationalism defines power differently. The way that view power, and there are um, there are a lot of different types of uh, power that we could be referring to when we talk to we refer to power, God's power. And even though I say God's powerful, well, I mean, if I was going to take a poll of everybody in here, every one of you are going to have a version of what that power actually is. And I'm actually referring to this morning, just so we're all on the same page, is, um, and you'll see that as we go through this, is practical power. Practical power. Now, absolutely, God is, is um, I can't talk with you on the mouth. Absolutely, God is a God of, of enormous strength and power, and, and, and he, he can overwhelm situations, the drop of a hat. He can come in and calm your storm. Uh, a lot of times we, we, we look at, um, you know, when we have experienced God's power, it comes in that form. How many of you have been through storms, and then as you were going through it, God, I mean, literally just quiet the storm, drop of a hat. And, and you're like, how in the world did he do that? And we relate that to his power. I mean, he's like, that's, that's a powerful God. If he could come in, I was in the storm. I was in, uh, the, the boat was being rocked. I thought the boat was going to flip, and it didn't. He come in, and he quieted the storm, and he shuts everything down. We define that as power. Absolutely true. So uh, this morning, though, uh, we're talking about uh, practical power. In the, in the thing that when it says here in Central Truth that God calls and empowers Christians to overcome. So obviously the theme is uh, empowerment to overcome things, to get by them. I, this is probably one of the most hot topics that you could talk about. Even though some of these things aren't really you know, mentioned, you, you might not talk about them in your circles, but being an overcomer, first of all, is a rite of passage. But you'll, you'll learn throughout this, not only is it a rite of passage, but there are things that you and I have to learn going through this about God's role, our role, what it means to actually be empowered, I'm all for going through situations and then realizing I'm outgunned, 
I'm, I've, I ain't got the resources. I, I've, I've, I've tried it on my own too much. I go to God. God, I really need you to get me through this. How many of you have prayed that prayer? I need you to get me through this. I'm struggling here. What I've noticed, though, is a theme. And, and I'll say this, and then we'll keep moving. This is the reason we're talking about empowerment and God's power. Is that over the years, I found myself praying rhetorically. And what I mean by that is, is I would find myself in the same situation over and over and over again. And, I, and, and the reason I found that is because I, I, I noticed a theme. I was praying the same thing. And I didn't, and I started asking myself the question, why are you praying the same as you've been dealing with this three, four, five years, whatever, you know? And I started asking myself, you know, when I come to the Lord and he would bring me peace, unbelievable peace over the situation. And it was great, right? But in a couple weeks, I found myself right back in the same situation again, asking for the same thing and wondering how I got back in that situation again. Can we agree that we're mostly the cause of our own problems? And, it's, and I'm, I'm starting to realize as I, I'm, I'm growing as a Christian, I'm still figuring this out. It's not always the black and white sin, not sin type situations. It, it, it comes down to getting into these things in life where we think we're right, and we're really not, or not having the knowledge to actually deal with the situation. Uh, ignorance. I, I found this out a lot that I'd be asking God to come in and bring me peace over a situation that I was just strictly ignorant in. And what I was, what I really was needed to be asking for was not just the peace. Now, this might be controversial to some of you, but I'll, I just, just stay with me here. I needed peace, sure, but it wasn't just that. I needed to be open to being taught how to deal with that situation from a godly wisdom standpoint. I would just keep... Doing the same thing. How many of you know if you keep doing the same thing, you get the same results? Mm -hmm. And so I would ask God, I would be, I would be, I need peace over this again. I really, I got a lot of turmoil here. And then he began to not just quietly, he didn't just cut this wasn't a conversation that him and I had, but quietly begin to show me. You need peace, but you need to learn some things, boy. You need to be taught. You need to be okay with learning some new tools. You need to get better at being a dad. You need to get better at being a husband. You're going to have to get better at being a, a, a teacher or a, or a representative of the kingdom. you got to get better. And so I begin to, it began to change my viewpoint. I began to see that the things that I was asking God for peace for were areas that I was just ignorant in. I wasn't paying attention. I was like, I wanted God to come in and with his power just blow my situation away. And God who said, you're absolutely empowered, but you need to learn how to be empowered the right way. So I, it was my quest of learning. You gotta learn, you gotta learn. It wasn't just that the devil had stuck his hand in there and messed it up, which is often the easy way for Christians to get out of learning. Devil messed it up. Nothing to see here, devil messed this thing up. Did he really? Or were we just ignorant? Are we dealing with things in our life that we just simply do not have enough knowledge about? And we haven't actually taken the time to even study it, to figure out where we're going wrong, to figure out why, why we keep coming back to the same prayer over and over and over again. And it might reveal that we're not away from God, 
which can we agree that sometimes that's exactly what we say, God, why are you so far away from me? Maybe that's not it at all. Maybe everything that God said was true. Maybe he is closer to you than ever before. Maybe he is carrying you. But maybe the reason he's having to carry us that way is because we simply are not learning from our mistakes. We just are not learning. And so, I mean, I absolutely have been the product of God coming in and giving me peace when I needed it the most, rescuing me. But what we have to realize is if we're going down the path and we're five years down the road and we still find that situation being a sticking point in our life, it might not be because God hasn't delivered. It might be because we refuse to learn. We might be stuck there. Yeah, it's our problems aren't really our problems. It's our reaction. It's good. To and how we deal with the problem, mm -hmm. what the problem is. Yeah, and, and it's not to say that people haven't been through traumatic things. Absolutely. And there's a process, obviously, there that needs to be worked with. Uh, been through traumatic things in my own life, things that plague us mentally. Anybody can say amen to that? Amen. Thoughts that you can't seem to get out of your head. Amen. I've learned that those aren't necessarily things that, that we go to God and say, just take those thoughts away from me. Oh, that'd be great. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Or see God's power and the ability to see his grace, much like Paul seen it with a thorn in the side. Paul didn't give up. What did he do? He had to learn how to move forward. I can assure you that there was, when he said that your grace is sufficient for me, there was a whole lot of learning that come along with that grace. It wasn't that he was just on autopilot. It's like, oh, you know, no big deal. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, no big deal. It's not true. It hurts. Can we agree? Amen. It hurts. So there is a tremendous amount of God's power to get us through things and to help us through things, but a lot of times that power is laced in the learning uh, of, of our experiences. So, under let's get started. A few years ago, one of the buzzwords in leadership books was empowerment. Now, I want to point that out, buzzwords. There's a lot of buzzwords in Christianity, right? There's a lot of buzzwords in the church. you got to be cautious. It's fine. I get it. I know that we talk a particular language, but we can also get caught up in buzzwords, words that make us feel good, words that sound like they fit, you know? But we actually don't, not only do we not fully understand the meaning, we don't ever apply them. So that's, that's something to be cautious of. The idea was that employees who are empowered to make decisions are better employees, feel better about themselves, and work harder for their employer. Got us far ahead of any management or leadership theory. He empowers his people with real power that cannot be challenged. Absolutely. He <coughs> empowers his people with real power that cannot be challenged. So... And it goes back to my question uh, at the beginning. First, you've got you to first define what power is to you. What power are you talking about? And that's, that's critical, is understanding what your definition of power is. If God's going to come in and do a powerful work in your, in your life, what does that look like? Are you looking at it as coming down and getting prayer and then it going away? Are you talking about an overwhelming power? Are you talking about a knowledge power? What version of power are we talking about as Christians? Because defining that will point you in the direction you need to go. It will point you. And, and so it's obviously uh, subjective depending on the situation. Some, there's been times I've come down to the altar, got prayer, and got exactly what I needed. Anybody say amen? Amen. amen. Absolutely. There are also times 
that have received special prayer, I call together a group. So man, I need some prayer. I need some prayer right now. And I got relief. It didn't go away the way I wanted it to. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, why in the world? I prayed in faith, though. Why didn't this go away? But I found that it wasn't, it wasn't whether it went away or not. It was what I gained from the experience. Mm-hmm. It was, there was something there to glean, something there to learn. You, you, if you haven't figured it out by now, a lot of the experiences that God allows you to go through are just learning experiences. Amen. It's so you garner more from this walk that is life and that you understand a better, a better viewpoint and a better perspective and that we see things not from our eyes but from God's eyes. That we stop seeing things just from this one angle, which I think we can all agree. Amen. It's a pretty dim-lit, shadowy angle. We just really don't see the picture the way it needs to be seen. And, and a lot of times it takes being hit over and over and over again, knocked down, knocked down, knocked down, to finally realize, hey, wait, there's something wrong here. Why, do I, why does this keep beating me? There's, there's something to hold on a second here. Let's quit doing the same thing over and over and over again because it keeps giving me the same result. What is wrong? What am I doing that keeps bringing me to this point? You'd be surprised how many people do not ask that question. That's self-evaluation. Spiritual self-evaluation. Where do I stand? Am I spiritually healthy? And am I learning from this situation? Um, It's priceless to be able to find yourself in a position where you can actually see yourself from that vantage point. And be willing to work on what you get to see. Praise God. We don't have to beg God for it. We don't have to. That's good. Good point. All you have to do is just be said, ask, and you shall receive. Yes. But you got to believe you're going to get it. You got, that's right. That's you right. That's good. And then there's sometimes even when you believe it, he's going to let you go through some things. Yes. Absolutely. And you can get down there and you can pray and slang snot and tears from now on. Right. <laughs> until you learn something over it, yep. you're probably not going to get what you're looking for. You're going to learn. Right. When, when you first started, it made me think of my, my job. Right? We're, 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 a, we're a tool at, at work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you're... I've been doing something for 25, 30 years. You think you're pretty good at it. They keep throwing things at you, adding to what you've been doing for 20 years. You think your load's already enough, mm-hmm. but they keep giving you more, giving you more. It's no different than here. You come in and you take the same thing out every time. Mm-hmm. You're not your 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 tools not being sharpened. You're good not point, gaining. Right. That's good. You're not gaining yeah. ground. You're just kind of in the same spot. Mm-hmm. So God gives you different things that you go through or whatever, but that's to sharpen your tool. Mm-hmm. Your life, life just kind of don't. It does keep going, but if we don't go with it, you're still in the same spot. Right. You're not gaining knowledge. You're not gaining anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're just existing. 
Can anyone agree with what Stacy's saying? Amen. I mean, you, that's that's some valuable stuff. Yeah, and, and and the being stuck thing, you know, there's a lot of people that are stuck spiritually. Amen. That's yeah, and that's it. I mean, they're, they're just they're stuck in that location, that spot, and and we'll we'll talk about that as we go through. And I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, um, you may give little thought to the battery that sits under the hood of your car, but without the energy it provides, you would find yourself walking to your destination instead of driving to it. Likewise, we need the power of God in order to follow him every day. And so what I did was is I circled um, I circled power because that's what we're talking about, empowerment, right? We're talking about being empowered. But I also circled the word follow. Mm-hmm. Empowered to follow. That's practical. That's, that goes back to practical Christianity. Some of the basic things are the most powerful. Some of the most basic things. You need to be empowered to even be able to follow him. Because we really lack the ability, can we, can we agree that we really lack the ability within ourselves? Because our flesh didn't want to do it anyway. And that's, it's, such a, it's such a tussle sometimes in a fight. I've, I always look at the, the word a lot like a diet. That when you have a diet that you're used to, that you enjoy, it's very hard to change that diet. Can we agree? It's like you enjoy particular things. You like to do that. And the doctor says, hey, you need to do this in order to maximize your health. Um, I mean, my, my dad is, uh, is a, I think, low-end diabetic. He's, uh, he has to watch what he eats real close. I know a lot of people that are diabetics. And then going off of that, having a lifestyle of being able to eat what you want, and then all of a sudden they tell you you can't eat those things anymore. And then you have to switch over, no breads, pull the sugars out, all of these things, and it's like a shock right and it's hard to get motivated to get up and eat a rice cake okay right you know what I'm talking about and so feeding spiritually is much the same way it's paced out the same way God's Word is our food we 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 eat it and we digest it but you if you're if you're not in that diet all the way it is very difficult to get a hold of in the master it's very, it's very difficult to get it down in you and get it down in you in a way that is going to affect your spiritual health. Let me give you an example. It's kind of like eating stuff that's not good for you all day long and then eating one thing. Like an avocado. You, 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 you pulled it out. You got the avocado out. You sliced it up. And you ate it. It's like, all right. And you made yourself feel better about the whole day of eating nothing but bad stuff and felt better by eating avocado. Christianity is a lot that way. People eat trash all day long, and then they poke a little word in, and they're like, makes me feel better. Mm-hmm. And then pretend that that diet is actually healthy, and it's not. You go back to your doctor, and he's like, you've been cheating, haven't you? And I look at God, you know, like you're having a conversation with him. He's like, you're really spiritually unhealthy. No, no, no. I've been eating really good. And he's like, no, no, you really hadn't eaten, been eating good. So you evaluate yourself power to follow you need God's power to be able to follow him every day without the power God provides our walk will become uh, stymied Uh, stymied means hindered fortunately God does provide us with the power to live rightly overcoming temptation and pursuing godliness today's study focuses on the power God offers his people it also shows us how to access this power okay let's read our scriptures Haley if you don't mind 2 Peter 1, 2. 
be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Therefore, my brother and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am very pleased, or I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets through humans spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Hallelujah. <coughs> now you're just talking about the things that we need to do mm-hmm. in, a, in a diet. Right. It ain't like going into a place and ordering a big hamburger and order fries and then get you a diet coke. <laughs> right. That's a good example. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because God don't work that way. Right. You can't mix it up. Yeah, and that's in one doesn't level out the other one, right? That's a good point. Okay, section one divine power. Peter began his second epistle with a bold proclamation of the gospel's blessing on all who will accept it. Though Peter had served alongside the Lord during his earthly ministry, he recognized that all followers of Christ have received faith as precious as ours, just like those who have been uh, closest to Jesus. Peter prayed a blessing on every believer who would read his epistle. I want to point one thing out to you, just just to be clear. It said there, and the lesson does a good job of bringing this out. He said that his uh, he made a bold proclamation for all who would accept it, and and that is really the key phrase: is that there is no power if you just simply don't accept power. Just all there is. I mean, and I'm not remember practical power. That's what we're talking about. Uh-huh. It's uh, in it. It's an enabler. That's what the power is. It's an enabler. It allows you to the the ability to be able to do it. It's supernatural. It doesn't come from you. It comes from him. Amen. If you've ever been on both sides of that coin and you know you try to live righteously, righteousness doesn't come from you. Your righteousness is filthy rags. So where does the ability come from? It's got to come from him. It's, it only makes sense. It, it has to come from him. So it, it, a lot of it, though, at the beginning, it's based on acceptance. And if you just simply don't accept his ability to empower, then you just pretty much forget about the rest of the steps after that. It, it doesn't matter. you got to believe that what the cross did was in totality, that it, that it completed everything that needed to be completed. There is nothing left to complete. If you believe that 
and you believe that the that Christ is the head of the church and that everything that was done at the cross was passed on to its people, which is the body, if you believe that, then all things are uh, possible to him who believe. Amen. It's all possible. But if you don't believe it, you're gonna have to get that you're gonna have to get the believer fixed first <laughs> before you do anything else. Peter's prayer shows his spiritual growth. Circle the word. Okay, here's the number, here's the second thing. Power for growth. Power for growth. How many of us want to grow spiritually? It's kind of a unanimous answer. Everybody wants to grow spiritually to whatever degree. You don't, you don't grow without God's practical power. There's no growth. Forget it. You're, 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 you've got to remember, you've got to see it from the spiritual angle. So what are you looking to produce? Fruit. Fruit good for what? For people to be able to partake of. That doesn't come from you. I, and it doesn't matter how many degrees you have Amen. or how much you've studied. It's going to be a spiritual thing in the spiritual realm in a kingdom manner. That's where it's going to come from. And so uh, power for growth. Like the other early Jewish uh, Christians, he had once viewed the gospel as reserved for the Jews. But God sent him to the family of a Roman centurion, Cornelius, showing that both Jews and Gentiles can receive salvation. Peter wrote that God provides everything necessary for a godly life through his power in our knowledge of the Lord. That's a, that's a very powerful statement there in verse 3. Is that He said that everything has been provided that is necessary for you to um, serve the Lord and to partake of this thing. It's all been done. It's all been provided for. So, that raises the question. If I'm not getting it, though, then what's the problem? This is, comes back to what I was saying at the beginning. If you keep running into that wall and you're like, I've been praying and I've been praying and I'm praying. Hold on. Don't pray yourself blue in the face. Don't pray yourself down into the ground. There's a lot of people that do that. Hold on a second. It's already been done. By right, it's yours. Amen. It's yours. You, you got it. It's yours. It's probably simpler than you think. I've had a death grip before on things that I was believing for, like a death grip, like squeezing. And I was trying to produce an event by how much I believe. I was, I was trying to, hard. The more I believe, the more I believe that something was going to happen. Uh -huh. Supernatural event's gonna come. My faith is, is pushing, I'm pushing, and I'm going to get to this other side and whatever that meant I still don't know to this day what I was actually expecting but I was pushing and pushing and, and this event became more important to me than ever I had to see it happen and as God began to deal with me he began to show me he began to show me in a very subtle loving way it's like this isn't going to go down like you think it is and I was what are you talking about no my faith is intact I'm ready for an event show me show me something big it's like I have Amen. It's right here. Amen. It's right here. And what, what was an event, or what I expected to be an event, actually came back to become falling in love with the Word again. That was the event. I was like, that wasn't the event that I was expecting. I was expecting power. By at that time, my definition of what power was, I was expecting this bulldozer of spiritual power to come through and just roll over my problems. Deliverance is what I was looking for, and you know, however you however you define that. Deliverance is what I was looking for, and I was looking for this deliverance that would just completely whisk all of my situations away. 
And so what I found was, was that he said, I've already given it to you. It's right here. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what was crazy about the whole thing is that I found that what I needed was much simpler than I was making it out to be. I was really making it hard. Mm-hmm. And what he firmly showed me is that if you have faith, it's already yours. Right you now. just have to accept that it's yours. I said, but wait a second. But why hasn't it come to pass yet? He said, a lot of times it's because people begin to doubt and they are not willing to learn from their situation. Uh-huh. They keep coming almost like we're coming back to the same point again over and over and over again. Right and it's like, but the victory is already yours. That was one thing that was probably the hardest thing for me to realize in my own personal life was the victory is already yours. Yeah. You've already got it. You just haven't accepted it yet. And so I would pray like the victory was still hanging in the balance. And he's like, wrong step. Victory's already yours. I already want it for you. Uh Your job is to accept it. That changed the way I prayed. I stopped praying in desperation. You know what I started doing? I prayed in faith, and then I just began to thank him for what he had already amen, done. Amen. We say, wait a second, Tanner. How would you thank him, though, for something that hadn't actually come to pass yet? You couldn't make me believe otherwise because he showed me. He said, it's already yours. Uh-huh. This is where Christians are misstepping. They're missing that step. You've been missing that step. I You're mean. not thanking me for it already being done. You're still wanting it to come to pass. I'm telling you it's already came to pass. It's in the spirit realm. Well, you know, it's the right way to do everything right and the wrong way and that's one of them because we don't have, really have any power the power is it's from right. him yep. and we don't have any righteousness it's from Jesus mm-hmm. and, and if we remember that and uh, I know this guy said one time about uh, somebody coming up there to pray for you you know and lay their hands upon you and said uh, you don't have the Holy Ghost don't come pray for me because mm-hmm. you just lay in Empty hands on an empty heap. You know. <laughs> right, right, I got you. And, and if it's empty, you're not going to receive anything anyway. Right. So if you don't believe it, there's no use to even coming up there. If you don't believe it, God's going to heal you. Mm-hmm. It's not who prays for you. Right. It's God. It's exactly right. God's the power. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's, I'd love to expound on that. That's, that is the, it's a precious thing to have group faith working. It's precious. The, what you have right here. This is group faith. This is a group faith. Somehow, somewhere in the mix of everything, somebody, people got mixed up about that. Okay, this is a great thing that you have in group faith, but people stopped standing on their own faith. They relied on your faith and your faith. They were like, y'all's faith needs to carry me. It can't be that way. Uh-huh. You got to be able to stand on your own faith. You receive what you receive because that's what you've asked God for. Not because everyone in the building believed for you. And a lot of people started putting themselves in that situation and saying, I have got to be able to be in this situation in order for anything to happen in in my life spiritually. That's not right. It's out of balance. You've got to have faith yourself. You can have some amazing services if everybody's faith is individualized and they stand on their own faith. Amen. It'll be amazing. But if, if, if you have... 30 people coming in, standing on 10 people's faith. You're going to wear those 10 people out. It's, it's, it's not going to stay in that balance for very long. It's going to dwindle. I didn't mean, you know, not to let people pray for you. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. It says, it says in the Bible, you know, call 
all the elders or yeah, all the people that biblical. believe. Absolutely. And let them lay hands on you and anoint you as oil, mm -hmm. and you will be healed. Yes. But that's still not the power for them laying hands on you. They got it's it. It's from God. That's right. It's from God. Okay, let's keep going. That's good. That's a good topic. I like that one. God sovereignly makes possible the miracle of salvation and calls us to a life that reflects his goodness. Through God's great and precious promises, we can partake of the divine nature to become more and more like Christ. That is the goal, right? To become more like him. Our, chill, our Christian character depends on God's power, but it also demands commitment from us. Well, there's that. There's the other half of it. It's okay. It is God, but there's a, a demand for commitment from us, too. We, we, it takes, you know, um, you have to tend to it like you would a garden. You want to get a good thing from your garden? And everybody knows it, gardens take a lot of work. You know, you got to make, okay, the frost is coming. We got to get out there and we got to fix everything up, make sure that our stuff didn't die. It takes a lot of work to tend to a garden. Your spiritual garden is no different. It takes a lot of work to tend to that garden. You lay off of, of tending to your garden, things begin to die or wither, or not become any good, or things get in and begin to eat your fruit, or your vegetables, you know what, I'm, you know what I mean? They begin to eat it, it begins to what? You get down there and you're like, that ain't no good. You gotta throw that away. If your whole garden is stuff that needs to be thrown away, we're probably not in the right place. We must remain open to God's power in daily living as we read, study, and apply God's word to our lives. Okay. Christians need not doubt that God saves completely or be concerned that our salvation is dependent on some future event. Christ accomplished God's plan for salvation once and for all through his death and resurrection. Yet we need to uh, pursue the blessings that God, that salvation makes available to us. Peter urged, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. That's good. Now, let me ask you, what do you think that means? Make every effort, effort to add to your faith goodness. I think that's not Okay, that's good. You want your you want what you're doing to be effective, right? I mean, you want it to mean something. You want it to matter. But if you allow certain things in, it corrupts the pot. And so what happens is, is you have a life on both sides and not realizing what's spoiling the thing that you're trying to produce over here. People have, have started to view Christianity like a like like something that's um, that can be optionized, almost like a almost like a like a buffet or a, a vending machine. It's like I walk up and I put my money in, and I'm like, "Well, I'll take Christianity A1." And then you carry it around and then eat it whenever you feel like it, like it's some sort of of option. That's somebody who doesn't fully believe in what the cross has done for them. They've chosen Christianity like people have chosen many religions in the world because it just fits me. You don't, you don't choose Christianity because it fits you. We have a Savior Amen. that we serve. We, we have a Father that loves us. And we're serving, we're going after Him. We're pursuing Him. We, we have this active relationship that's with Him. Christianity is starting to be viewed much like these other, uh, other faiths and religions. And, and you know, I mean, we looked at some statistics the other uh, couple Sunday nights ago uh, that were startling statistics about the actual health of the church and by the numbers the church is not growing at the pace that it used to grow in fact it's four times lower than it was back in the 20s and 30s four times lower it's slowed the growth is slowed but the islam faith has picked up 
And I can't remember the year. Was it 20, 2040 something, 2050, something like that? <coughs> that seems like a long way off, right? It's like, well, that's a long way off, though. It's actually not that long that the Islamic faith would almost have the same numbers as Christianity worldwide at the growth right now. Man, if that don't scare you, if that don't wake you up and get you thinking, wow, are you kidding me? No way. No way. Yes way. Yes way. They are being very productive and persuasive to their followers. And then there's another whole rabbit trail we could teach on that. But anyway, um, let's keep moving. He never said human effort is involved in salvation. Right, we know that which is entirely a miracle of God's grace. But spiritual growth requires effort. Hey, there's a separation there. You see that? So we know what grace is provided strictly from God. Salvation is strictly from God. There's nothing that you can do to deserve that. It was given to you for free. But the mastery of the Christian life, a lot of that is in your lap. It's in your lap. And as I said before, this is, this is where I, I have to kind of pull away. I don't really believe in zap it to me prayers I'm just not that I'm just not I used to be I'm not that person anymore zap it to me prayer meaning I'm asking God for something that he has ordained for me to learn just give it to me no I don't want to have to work for it no I don't want to have to read no I don't have to study you just give it to me and there's a lot of Christianity today that that's exactly the way they believe it they're like zap it to me God give it to me Let's microwave that thing for 30 seconds. We'll nuke it, and you get it to me. That is not the way it works. And so what I started discovering was a lot of the things that I was not getting in prayer was because I was mispraying. I needed to study and spend some time reading, and then the Holy Spirit began to teach me. And I was like, oh, I've been praying for that for so long. But now I get it because I actually put some effort to it, something that was tangible, something that actually means something. And so... There's a lot to the studying of the word. You, if, if you agree that this thing is alive, can we agree? Okay, now you're just not reading a book then. You're reading something that's alive, which is going to have an effect on you. It's going to have an impact on you. There's no way it cannot. So when you pick it up and you begin to read and you begin to study and you actually take time out, the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to you. I don't know, have you ever noticed that before? I mean, I'm reading scriptures that I've read Many, many a times. And I just break down into tears. I'm like, why? Why am I being hit like this right now? It's something about the word. I can't explain it, but it's alive. And it's working. I was like, I don't know what work you're doing on me today, but I'm gonna go with it. I don't know why I'm crying. I don't know why I'm um I'm just I was trying to just read some scriptures and get some time in, and here I am worshiping and praising you. Because the word is alive. And there's something happens to the inside of you when in your spirit man when you begin to study and, and, and read God's word. Uh, let me keep moving. Um, in a sense, this is like the physical life. God gives our body, uh, gives us our body, but we must exercise that body to grow in a healthy manner. Uh, pursuing the qualities listed in, in verses five through seven will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So can we agree that you need power to, uh, to pursue? Yeah. I mean, that pursuing is, in indicating effort on your part. You get it, right? If you're going to use the word pursue, if you're going to say you're, that's an active word, you're pursuing something. You're going after it. That means that you're, you're actually making an effort to make this thing work. And it's usually the, some of the questions that I ask 
if I'm ministering or if, so, if I get in a situation, somebody calls me or, hey, I need some advice, I will ask some very basic questions. Are you reading often? Do you pray often? And if both of those, if those two questions do not check out, then you're not doing your part. And at that point, I don't know if there's really anything I can tell you because you, you are looking for me to bring a, uh, a supernatural answer. You're probably not going to get it. It's something that you're going to have to prepare yourself for. You've got to already be reading. You've got to already be seeking the Lord. You've got to already be putting the word in. Go ahead, Haley, and I'll give you guys my uh, next part of this. Power in our tongue too, like God. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The scripture for that. That's God a good. Really been teaching me that. That's and good. I've gone through a lot of experiences here lately that have really shown me that. And I think for me, like on the way to work, I drive to work when it's when it was dark outside, and I'd be praying in the morning, and the power of my words was really dictating my day, because I would be, oh yeah, you know, God is my. God's like my friend. I'm talking to him, ranting to him, saying, okay, God, I know today's not going to be great, but you're going right. to go with me through this. And then it's like God started to show me I was putting my own words into that. That was not him. He did not say that today was going to be bad. I was the one saying that today was going to be bad. Right. And so I had to change my own prayers and be like, God, whatever oh, happens yes. today, go with me. Mm-hmm. Or God, today's going to be a great day because you have let me go through the day. And I had to change the way I was talking. Mm-hmm. And then I would see myself gradually throughout the day having better days and just praying God's power through it. And I was getting through it. Right. And it was my own words that was making my days bad. But when I started praying his power into it, it was totally different and changing. That's a good point. And I think we can all learn from that. And there's, it's so tempting can we agree, though, there's a bit of a temptation to talk the other way? It's a, there's a bit of a temptation. I don't know what the, the deal is with the flesh, but it likes to talk trash about the situation. And, and we were just talking about the Brahms experience last week and how it's so easy to begin to just trash your situation out and speak bad things into it and begin to... And, and you have the power. The power is there. It's in your hands. And the Bible is telling me that life and death is in the power of the tongue. So what it's telling me is, is I'm bringing to life things into my, into, my, uh, into my world, and I'm killing things that are trying to grow and to help me. So that's, that's a, a great point. And so um, and it was uh, an experience that I had not too, uh, I'd say, uh, maybe about 10 years ago. And I, I shared this experience before, but I, I'm, I'm telling this because it was so impactful. And... I still today, I still remember it. I still think about the way that that, that Im, Im, impacted me. And I said, I remember praying, God sends somebody to me to pray for me and to get so we can get rid of this thing. I need somebody that's prayers are stronger than mine, more powerful than mine. Send me somebody. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, I ain't sending you nobody. And that shocked me. I, I wept because he hadn't given me the second point yet. I was, Why'd you go send me somebody? I need somebody. Send somebody to me. He said, I ain't sending you nobody. It's just you and me. Mm-hmm. And that's all you need. Already sent him. And so what I found was, was that my prayer was oh, sufficient. Oh. It was good enough. He said, I'm, I'm going to get you through. But you are going to have to know that it's just you and me. You're, tra- you're trying to find a way out another way. I'm telling you it's through me. It ain't through no one else. And I had to get my back straight, take a deep breath, and go right into the storm. Amen. And I learned from that. 
I learned that those situations, they are accomplishable. You can get through them, but you're going to have to approach it from a mature from a mature standpoint. I'm still growing. I'm not saying I'm mature. I'm saying that's the goal, though. That's the goal of spiritual maturity. All right, let's keep moving. Divine calling. I got some time here. We're doing good. Divine calling. As we continue to grow in godly character traits, we grow in our assurance of salvation. While blind Christians, like those described in verse 9, risk the danger of succumbing to spiritual failure, those described in verse 10 mature in their walk with God. They can live with assurance of their relationship with God. Mature is assurance, right? Maturity is assurance. Put those two together. I, I don't have to be the most excited individual in the room, and that's and I'm, I'm okay with that. Don't think I'm knocking that. But the, the person who is bouncing the highest is not always the one whose faith is correct. Okay? And I think sometimes in the Pentecostal Western culture that we think the person who is the screaming the loudest and the person that is, is doing the biggest thing has got to be the one who has got to have the biggest faith. It's not the case. A lot of times it's the quietest one. A lot of, a lot of times it's the quietest one. And, and, and don't think for a second I'm knocking Pentecostal culture. I'm not at all. If you feel like you need to praise and worship, you do it however you feel God leading you to. But I have enough experiences in my life and being in church that that sometimes creeps into the church and, and people want to think want you to think that they're spiritually sound because of some things that they do in a service. Man, no, no, get away from that. Because that's not the case. And so so um your uh your your the goal obviously is maturity, but there's an assurance that we have. And my the assurance that I've got is not allowed. It's like something inside of me, and I'm certain of it, and I, I know it. I don't have to make a big deal about it, but it's there, and I can tell you all kinds of stuff that God shares with me, and we have this relationship, but that, that's me. That's just my relationship that I have with him, and we got this, <laughs> we got this thing going, and so that's what I'm saying for you is there's got to be an assurance. You know it inside of you, and it is not these pre-qualifications that you may think that you have to do certain things in order to get there. No, just look inside. Just look inside you and find out where it's at. Somebody had their hand up. Say, go ahead. And in the garden, Jesus said, this cup, take this cup away from me, but your will be done. You know, that's, we're going through it. Yeah. You got to go through it, but we're trying to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And he was growing too, right there. That was the that was a major that point. The, it was a major pivot. That's it. That's that us. That's us, right? Yep. The, it's the same thing. That's it. Um, that scene is such a vulnerable scene for just humanity, in just the way that we look at things physically. What Jesus was going through as a man, not not just the Son of God at that, but he was also man. He was a physical man. So he was going through some things. He was dealing with some things. It's very humbling and very revealing about that struggle and that everyone deals with at that pivot point of making the decision to go through the storm and not around the storm. Not my will, but your will. Yeah, not my will, but your will. Good. Okay, let's keep moving. Um, There's a common debate in the church world concerning the eternal security of believers. That is, can a genuine Christian forfeit his or her salvation? 
It's a good, it's a good question. During this debate, 2 Peter 1.10 is often brought into the discussion. Peter's encouragement to make every effort to confirm your calling and election, and the promise if you do these things, you will never stumble, seems to include the possibility of falling. Uh-huh. So the, the obvious argument, I'm not going to get into all the nuts and the bolts of it, but the, the idea, of, of course, is if once you're saved, is it once saved, always saved, under whatever conditions, or is it uh, salvation is up for grabs? Well, I believe that salvation uh, was completed at the cross, but in the human life is progressive until death. Now, let me, let me explain that. He did everything he's going to do. There is not a, another work to do. Amen. You understand me? There is no more work to be done. Salvation has already been taken care of. My salvation is finished as far as the work that needed to get to me to obtain it. I got it. Now, as I go from day to day, to I stay right in my, I stay in the pocket, stay in the pocket, and I continue to do the things that God has laid out for me in his word, which enable me not to stumble or go back to the old man, go back to the old way of life which is an indication that most certainly you can take your salvation and throw it in a trash can. You can do that. God didn't do it. You can. You can take that. You can throw that away. You go back to the old man again. You go back to the old life. And you can do the things that are detrimental once again. God says his grace is sufficient for it, brother. Yes, absolutely. All the way. Yeah, all the way. From start to finish. And so that's that's a PowerPoint. I really believe that. It's a powerful point for us to, to get. Um, Peter also pointed out uh, the eternal results of faithful service. An abundant welcome into everlasting fellowship with God, which is what we all really want. Too often we see ourselves as tired combatants in a spiritual struggle hoping we can survive. Oh man, could there not be a truer statement spoken? Now, for just a minute, just entertain the thought. Don't condition yourself to think anything else. Consider this, that there is quite a bit of truth in the fact that we often view ourselves as tired combatants in a spiritual struggle, hoping just to make it through. Amen. Think about that for a minute. I mean, there's a lot of even, how often, let me say it like this, how often do we view ourselves as the victor and not the victim? How often do you view yourself as already winning and I've won? I've got the victory. Instead of viewing yourself as, guess we're going to have to go through another one. There's two different ends to that and two different viewpoints. And what I'm seeing today, hey, I've fallen into it a uh, a couple times myself. And this is something that I, I have worked diligently on is that make sure, make sure you're not playing the victim. You You hear what I'm saying? Make sure you're not playing the victim. Everything befalls you. Everything's wrong. You had to go through this and you had to go through that. Playing the victim. Always viewing everything from a negative vantage point. Never really looking at God is giving you the victory. Always struggling to get a hold of the victory that was promised. That's a vantage point. It's not, it's not anything you're trying to get. You've already got it. It's just the way that we believe it. It's the way that we see it. And so a lot of Christianity today views themselves as victims. Oh, not just Christianity, our whole world is starting to view itself as a victim. It's all over the place. 
And, and, and people, people in, in churches are watching some of these things that are going on, and then they're like, yeah, yeah, that's right. I have been done wrong. And I want my justice. Huh. Now everybody wants to be a victim. So you have to make sure as a Christian that you're not playing that card, that we're not, that, that we're not looking at ourselves as, as tired combatants just trying to get through, that we actually have one, that we actually have been given the victory, that I actually can stand on my own two feet and walk through this thing. And that if I die today, I'm going to heaven. Amen. I'm going to be with the Lord. Praise God. Okay. Um, heaven may seem like a goal just barely within reach, but the life of faith is just the opposite. Peter painted a picture of a Christian life lived to the fullest, walking in the freedom and power with Christ and with heaven's gates opened wide. Um, let me go back. I want to mention one thing, and then we're going to go ahead and finish this out here. A lot of times why Christians view themselves as the victim or as the tired combatants or as the ones that are having to deal with I, I, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that a lot of people, you can tell by the words that they speak, that what they have gone through, they wear almost like a medal. Mm. What they've gone through, they wear it as a medal. I'm not saying you didn't go through something. I'm not saying that it, it didn't impact your life. I'm just saying that Christianity often takes them and they, they, they idolize it. Like, this event happened to me, and it has damaged me forever. And we wear it. Like it's something to wear. But what we fail to realize is, is that God has given us a victory so we can go past that. Yes, yes, it's going to affect your life, possibly from that point forward. But we forget that, remember, you're, you're, you're designed to live in victory. That's your actual spiritual design is to live in victory. Remember, you got to come back to it. If I'm not living in victory, what am I doing wrong? Where does it come down to? And is it quite possible... That I do have victory, but I just simply don't understand it. I haven't learned enough to realize that I do have the victory. Maybe I just don't get it. Okay, let's keep let's keep going. Um, the gospel's rich truths bear repeated study and application, no matter how well a believer may know them. Absolutely, Peter urged Christian toward an ever deeper walk of faith. More is better in the spirit realm, right? Amen. Not like in the like in the physical realm where you can OD on sugar. You know, you can't have too much sugar for the diabetic. Can't have too much bread. Can't have to, you know, you hate going to the restaurant and having to watch what you order. See, in the spiritual realm, you can get all the God that you want, and there's never going to be an unhealthy aspect of it. It's always going to be, it's always going to be a positive aspect. It's always going to have an impact on you, a good impact. Okay. These verses help us to understand verse 10 all the more, to make your calling and election sure and give diligence Point to continued development and practical expression of Christian life. So I'm, I'm saying that again. I'm bringing that back to the point. Continued development. Because that's what it's about, right? Conti continuing to grow. Continuing to get more mature. Continuing to get stronger with God. Peter, who at that time was a prominent and elderly, uh, elderly leader in the early church, never uh, rested on his reputation as an apostle who had been taught by Jesus. Peter had continued to be growing uh, to be a growing Christian. Jesus' final admonition to him had been to always love him supremely and serve him without distraction. This was Peter's passion. So that brings me to, and I, and I have to make this my, this one of my final points this morning, is that 
going back and evaluating our lives. Remember, we're taking today, we're taking full accountability for what we do, our decision making, right or wrong. If you're running into a constant wall, spiritually, maybe something that you've been dealing with for years, and we talked about this at the beginning, and you, you say, I don't understand, I've been praying about it, praying about it, praying about it, I keep coming back to it, keep coming back to it, you might be distracted by something. There might be something in your life that's keeping you distracted from being able to move past that point. In our culture, we love distractions. We love them. Why? Because in the silver lining of distractions, they're quite peaceful. They make us feel good. It, makes, it, it feels good to drown yourself in, in whatever form of entertainment that you can get. Uh, it, it makes us feel good to be able to drown ourselves on our phones. To be able to just get this crazy world out of my mind for just about two hours. <laughs> so I can, I can think about something else. Now, is there anything wrong with entertainment? No. There's nothing wrong with entertainment at all. Unless you're using entertainment as a hiding place. Unless you're using the phone as a place to go so you don't have to pay attention to what you don't know. Because if you had to put the thing down and you actually had to shut the television off, you had to do those things, you may realize that we are more ignorant than we thought. That there's a lot of stuff that you and I don't know about what we need to do to move forward in our lives, which is exactly why we continue to stay in the same place. So... If we continue to do the same thing over and over and over again, and you still keep getting the same results, you got to wonder what needs to change in order to produce a different result. Because if you're unhappy with where you're at, if you say, I don't like where I'm at, and I've been praying about moving forward, I can promise you it will not be a zap it to me God scenario. You're not going to pray it, and all of a sudden God's going to transport you to a greater spiritual walk with him. There will be some major changes that will have to take place in your life structurally in your life, fundamentally. There may be some things you have to stop being distracted by. Sometimes people distract us. Sometimes we're, we're, we're worried about this over here, we're worried about that over there. I, I'll be honest with you. Let me give you an honest, an honest report about myself. When the election was going on, I was totally distracted by that. And could I say that I was praying about the situation? Well, sure I was. But I was utterly distracted and unable to get my spiritual life right. It was, it was so great that it was over. Because at that point, I didn't care who won. I just wanted to get it over with. But that's not, I'm not the only person. i gotta, I got to wind it down. I'm not the only person that has dealt with distractions, and distractions will, it, will obviously stunt your growth. It could also be the very thing that is cheating you out of the kind of victory that God wants you to have. So reevaluate. Take a hard look and be honest with yourself. I'm out of town. God bless you guys. Thanks.